0: What makes us, as humans, different, even, shall I say, better than monkeys? Well, maybe not much these days, but we do have a few things going for us as a species. Things that make us more human, more special than our primate cousins. It's our ability to think and to feel and to create. It's the arts and sciences that make our lives better and make us smarter and, yes, more special and better than those darn monkeys. Hello, everybody. I'm Brian Hanna, and on this episode of BTM, we will delve into the mysterious, the mystical, and the magical as we talk about the science and the art and the business and the craft of magic with master magician Bobby Borgia. Growing up in the 70s and 80s, I remember turning on the television and watching specials featuring some of the finest magicians doing some of the most mesmerizing tricks. Magicians like Harry Blackstone Jr., Lance Burton, Doug Henning, Siegfried and Roy the Pendragons. I remember it all like it was just yesterday. While well, those same magicians had a profound effect on our guests today here on Better Than Monkeys... This gentleman has turned magic into a career. He travels the world plying his trade. He creates masterful illusions for cruise ships, recording artists, and even works for Disney from time to time. Today's guest on Better Than Monkeys is master illusionist Bobby Borgia. Joining me live here at the WQLN studios for Better Than Monkeys is magician Bobby Borgia. And thanks for joining me, first of all. Oh, Excited no, Brian. Excited to have you. Here. No, no, Brian. Thank you. <laughs>
1: super, super happy to be here. Thank well, you for the invite. If,
0: thank you. Uh, you know, if anybody uh, from the Erie area is familiar with you, it would be from your uh, initial uh, foray into magic back here in as a local day. magician back in the, what, 90s, uh, early 90s, Yeah, late 80s. early
1: 90s, even 80s. I, um, you know, uh, went to St. Luke's mm-hmm. and uh, Academy and mm-hmm. i was um the house magician at the station restaurant oscars right. club mm-hmm. and uh smuggler's wharf and even the warsaw cafe but they hired me like every wednesday and friday i put on my little suit and tie and you know i i would hold your table I was four <laughs> <laughs> uh, i was um actually 15 and my dad had to come with me cuz legally couldn't be in the bar couldn't be in the bar so my right. dad had to come with me and um the station restaurant Oscars was the real Mecca of where I first started. And I would walk up to people's tables and go, Hi, you know, my name's Bobby. And they're like, Oh, what a cute kid. And then I do right. something and they're like, What? And I realized the power that magic had. You know, the right. the real um to touch somebody in that way, a uh, sense of wonder. You know how right. a kid has a sense of wonder. Everybody they're, can still have that sense of wonder. And they still do, but it's it's so um there's walls up. There's and you Oh, it's and, repressed. It is repressed. Mm-hmm great word. And I think magic <laughs> completely knocks that wall down. And I watch a grown man freak out. Well,
0: once you take somebody who's uh, strong and confident in themselves and they become vulnerable. Yes. And that you own that situation. It,
1: yeah, exactly. And then it's having the right, um, boy, the right intention behind that too. Because, you know, people are people and you can have an ego based or an intention based, you know, your true personality. Self. Right. And I think when you come from that place, um, that's real that's really that's the good stuff you know when you're really coming from that good place and um to really light up a kid to a you know magic is so universal that um it 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 is a craft that is still learning still learning today
0: well, it's not a new craft it's thousands of years old i I think I saw a video where you were talking about. Uh, the real true magicians as magicians yeah. uh, started kind of in Egypt, maybe three thousand years ago. Exactly, and I just discovered myself. So, in Egypt,
1: uh, mm. Didi was the magician where he removed the head of a goose and then put it back on. And what I just discovered, I'm reading um, Jim Steinmeier's new book, The Secret History of Magic. It just came out last week. Jim Steinmeier is a great friend of mine, and he's a designer. Brian, he designed, uh, he invented the uh, Statue of Liberty vanish. Right, mm-hmm. that's who Jim Steinmeier is, and if. Anyways, he wrote this new book, and all of a sudden I'm reading it going, what? And it even goes – it predates that before Egypt, which was blowing my mind that I'm learning something new at this age and this level of, of the career wow how old magic is and how it went through different things where people thought oh it was the devil and you'd be stoned then it came into the art form uh, in the renaissance area with the cups and balls was a very big thing there's an actual name for people who just do that trick with the cups and balls and India and all over the world um, but now you know to modern day um, magic is it's bigger than it's been in in a long time I will say if you watch television look at Harry Potter Magic is everywhere. There's a new movie coming out um, called Magic Camp. Uh, Steve Martin. Steve Martin wrote it. And Steve Martin was a phenomenal magician. Very shy man. Met him. uh, Really, like, very introverted guy. But a great magician. And he wrote this movie. And uh, Magic Camp is the name of it. It's coming out at the end of this. So magic, it just... Look at TV with Carbonaro effect and Netflix, and you know right. it's, it's it's very hot. It's big. And it's, it's going. You know, hopefully I can take it in another direction after after it's uh, yeah.
0: Well, you know, magic has gone kind of from just being a sleight of hand uh, way to trick somebody, a mm-hmm. little bit of an illusion, uh, to being very science based.
1: Huge. If you um, watch certain magicians, you know, people. will sometimes will say, Who's your favorite guy right now?" And Darren Brown is probably the biggest thing in England. And uh, he's very psychological, not science, but psychological. Still kind of the same genre. And I just – his presentation, he takes an effect that is the simplest – but takes it to three levels path. When you know how you watch Circus LA and right. they go that level and then the chair is balancing and then the guy and then the guy's like on his finger, balancing on the last chair, twenty feet in the air, you're like, How are they doing this? Right. He will take an effect to those levels and he's so clever at it. My hat goes off to that gentleman.
0: Is that the key to a great trick? You take it and you make something that's like, Okay, that's good and then you have to push that boundary just a little bit?
1: I think so. That's a big key of it. I think there's three elements to it. Um the biggest element for me is presentation. Um, I think presentation is, you know, that's what differs Penn and Teller from, you know, Copperfield to Chris Angel to David Blaine. It's all different presentations. Right. And the presentation I use, I use uh, video, uh, LED video wall technology. But before the trick, as I'm talking, imagine watching a television show um, and you'll see somebody narrating Uh, I'm thinking Jason Silva. You know how he'll Mm -hmm. narrate this cool thing and he has like a little montage going along with the the subject matter. Is I've spent a lot of money on those and setting up this thing, but I always try to pick a topic that wouldn't be um, typical to educate as well as entertain. Right. That's why we watch the History Channel, I think. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that.
0: Right. And you want
1: that. So you have that first, then you're telling him what you're telling him. You t- wait, you tell them what you tell them, then you tell them, and then you tell them what you told them, and by the time you execute the trick, I use that word, the magic, the effect, it's presented in a way that is so mind-blowing that people start blurring the lines of – I mean I've had grown people come up to me, married couples, are you in touch with spirits? You know, I'm like, yes, I live in Lilydale. Right. No, <laughs> no but but, <laughs> but no.
0: But see that's uh that's still a carryover Yeah. Because uh Houdini pushed that.
1: Harry Houdini you did. You
0: know, we're working with the mediums and and, and he... defrauding them. Right. right. Exactly.
1: That people that were fake and then he was a big uh oh, he was so into that that the later latter of his career was uh was very into debunking the fraud people right. that were trying to scam you right. know. Uh, he Is big in that, um, and it's certainly just like the amazing Randy followed his lead, right. and Penn and Teller kind of did a little bit, jumped on that bandwagon, um, and then you have Uri Geller, <laughs> who's yes. doing this. You know? <laughs> he's a magician. I mean, right. I mean, he's a great magician, phenomenal, but he's Creskin. He never says he has powers, but he start you start blurring the line, and that's how people now, kids watching David Blaine are like, they really think he's real, right. and. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you do not abuse that going look, I have magic powers and watch what I can do. Mm-hmm. It's not about that. That's not that's not the cool, you know. And Blaine, he, he doesn't come to that place. He's a good guy. He's right. He's he was the guy that you know, he turned magic on TV into an art. He did right. 6 8 years people don't realize. This guy's banging on every door. People are like, "No, no," cuz Hollywood doesn't want to see anything new.
0: Right. They want to win. They, they want, want to win they, and they, they want to be a sure thing.
1: They go, what, what worked? And uh, let's do that again. Right. You know? <laughs> exactly.
0: Which is hard to do in magic because uh, somebody in your position, uh, you need to keep coming up with new illusions yeah. all the time. Uh, redesigning, redeveloping. Uh, do you still find that you have the urge to revisit old illusions and make them better?
1: That's the key. You just, we
0: are a smart
1: man, Ryan. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Mr. Brian Hanna, please. Very clever what you just said. I really like to go back to these books that I – I have a pretty decent-sized library of 1921 to – and these books of where did this come from? Who was the – you know and you start reading some of these things and almost like philosophers back then. How were they thinking that? Same thing with magic. How were they thinking that back then? And I go back to that and I'll look at it and it will inspire me to then redo, revamp, reformulate – uh, reformat uh, an effect that has not been done. The, the one effect that um, I ended up uh, selling a, a one-hour magic special that never aired. This is the right. classic Hollywood <laughs> story that nobody will ever see. And uh, it was basically making a crop circle appear. Um, and the, the whole thing was the illusion of the millennium. Millions of you will take part in this solution. And it was an interactive thing that was going to happen through the television. And then at the end, I was going to make this crop circle appear. And it was the same design that uh, of our solar system with the Earth missing. So there was a, a really good emotional attachment story if we don't take care of our planet. Right. You have to have that emotional attachment. Okay, right. And so Mike Darnell, who's the head of Fox Television, uh, reality, great guy from Philadelphia, was like, I love it. On one condition, you do the illusion live. You can do everything else, tape, B-roll. I don't care. The illusion's done live. And I, it was signed by um, David Saltzman and Quincy Jones. Wow. And uh, they, they, they just, like, touched my knee at the meeting, like, yes, you can do it live. you know. Right. So I walked out of the meeting, and I was like, how am I going to do this live? And I was a little nervous, and I called Jim Steinmeier. Right. And he goes, Bobby, he's like, you got this. He's like, you got your method. And I'm like, okay. So long story short. It went over budget. We shot the pilot. We shot, like, the trailer for the opening. It was really cool. I'm walking through a wheat field. It's bending. It looked really hip. And uh, it was such – my point, Brian, was it was such a different outside-the-box thinking of a magic trick. And then it never aired. It went over budget. And then they came Mm -hmm. back to me and said, can you do a Russian roulette trick Darren Brown did in England? Safe. Yeah. And I went, no. (laughs) Right. (laughs) No. Right. And that gets into that whole danger aspect of – when you see like David Blaine doing the bullet catch, um, right. he's really doing it. He's—I'm telling you, Brian. He, the guy, you know. But there's kids watching. I'm not judging anyone because he's awesome at what he right. does. But uh, when there's kids watching, I personally, for me, um, I think, I think I have a there's responsibility
0: as an entertainer, yeah, uh, to to not propagate no. Uh, recklessness. No. no,
1: no, and so I'm not that guy. You know, mm-hmm. let those guys do that stuff, and I'm just more. Uh, you know.
0: Well,
1: yeah, you know, I'd rather inspire people on a spiritual level, on an emotional level, um, make them do good in life, give them right. some hope, whatever it's going to be,
0: and have a great time.
1: Absolutely, I mean that's you what know, life should be.
0: If you if you think back to to music, and you know, it started so pure, and it and it expanded, and it grew, and then. Uh, in the earliest 20th century. And what the hell is going on now? <laughs> there well, and what the hell is going on now? But there there is a set uh, a period of time in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s where stuff was really experimental. Yeah. And it's as if the composers uh they all had skills of course outside of this, but it was almost like they needed to do an academic study. Yeah. in order to try to progress music to what the next phase would be. It's interesting. So we may have lost some Melody and some emotional content, but but in exchange, you got we got new techniques and new new uh, so forms through, that people can push forward with evolution. It's of part it. of the evolution. Yeah. You know? um, so uh, how does that apply to magic? Like you said, you're going back to some of the stuff from the 20s and the 30s. But was there a whole period of time where magic faltered?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I th- I think it looked it was looked upon as uh, we'll go back to just before. Doug Henning hit, I'll say, from the uh, 60s, 70s era. era. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd see – once in a while you see a magician like Ed Sullivan. And mm-hmm. it was just cute and people would clap and, oh, he made a bird appear. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It was just very um, – like, oh, a clown. Or I don't, right. I'm don't, i not putting a clowns down. Right. You know.
0: Par- parlor tricks. And-
1: yeah, yeah. And it was just – they, there was no respect and it was just like, oh, that was cute. Where mm-hmm. now look at it and people are like – I mean, they're just like – I mean, it's huge. It, right. It's a whole – Harry Potter is about magic. Right. I think magic – I have this new, uh, a new piece in the show. I actually designed and created a show about – it's called Awe, A-W-E. What is that? And it opens up with, you know, when you listen to music, how does music make you feel? Right. right? Mm-hmm. When you watch a movie, how does a, how does a movie make you feel? But when you watch magic, how does it make you feel? And that's where I came from. So we had this whole video thing done, and people are like, wait a minute. And that's where I'm coming from. That's where my starting point is to come from that place and then create new magic, new experiences. And there's levels of it. It's not just the trick. Then it's the music. It's the lighting. It's the video playback, the montage, the camera blocking. Um, so many levels, you know. Without it getting too complicated, you know, you have you create this wonderful piece that uh, is is really an old magic trick. You know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so has magic become cost prohibitive for new uh, young up and coming magicians? Well,
1: I think you know what's really hot is obviously close up magic because mm-hmm. of Blaine and Chris Angel, and if you go on the internet, they're all trying to do the thing. And you know, it's cr- you know go to Michaels and you can build all these cool things. Right. But um, if you really want to take it to – like for me, it, it does cost a lot of money for just the video content that I use. Um, um, it can be pricey for custom CGI and I'm writing it, directing it, get the music rights. All those elements, you know, it can be. And sometimes I'll spend a little too much money on something and I'm, I learn a hard way. But I, I think it's important to follow that – you know, that uniqueness and that you, you follow the, the pulse of, of, of creativity uh, to create something brand new that's never been seen before is important.
0: You're listening to Better Than Monkeys from WQLN Radio. We're going to pick up right where we left off with master magician Bobby Borgia, and I'm going to ask him, how do you get from being a nine-year-old kid interested in magic to the place where you're making an airplane disappear in front of a crowd full of people?
1: it's the same thing as a coin you know you make it a coin disappear now you're making an airplane disappear mm-hmm. but again Brian I, I I really am my thing is presentation it's not mm-hmm. what you do it's I've seen some great tricks that maybe the magician you're just like so what mm-hmm. well why didn't he click why didn't this guy click because of presentation personality right. there's so many elements in magic there's psychology science like you were saying before music magic is a sensation it's a feeling because they go magic's not mm-hmm. real But it is. How do you feel? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a sense Mm -hmm. of awe. It's a sense of wonder. And I think when you come from that place, you got to find your truth. Your 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 truth. Your you got to find your intention. You have to find that and come from that place. That's where mine is right
0: now, and uh, I'm liking where it's going. Well, you've done a lot of things in your career. You started small, sleight of hand things, parlor tricks, working your working your way up through uh, some bars and restaurants. Um, Now you're doing. Uh, pretty large scale things. A lot of it takes place uh, around uh, the cruise industry because the cruise mm-hmm. industry seems to be like the uh, casinos on the ocean. It,
1: it, it is Vegas on water now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're outdoing and building billion dollar cruise lines, and they're having state of the art Broadway shows. Right. Uh, people who don't cruise don't maybe know, but they're I just did Norwegian, and they had a. Uh, they had two Broadway shows on Jersey Boys. They had uh, Legends, the Vegas show. Same right. cast. They mm-hmm. just switch out with Donnie Marie. Right. Um, and they have celebrity comedians. and I mean, big name, you'd be shocked. Right. Uh, so that market for me, I get to fly out, do my show, and fly home and be with my family and enjoy Erie, Pennsylvania, where I live now, right. where I was born and raised. Uh, so that market is – it's I love it. And um, – and they're does getting bigger it, and bigger and
0: bigger. Does, does it remove some of the pressure from you if you've got um, a financial backer like a cruise line so you can just sit back and go, I want to do this? And they go, kind, mostly you can.
1: Kind of mostly I can. I am limited to me flying on and off, and I have the my crew. My team consists of uh, two camera operators, uh, a video playback guy, and um, then there is a uh, – uh, lighting designer, sound designer, backstage manager, and an automated technician that the video walls like break apart and move around. And this is high-tech wizard world for them. And so if I can stick with that same crew, it becomes a well-oiled machine, and now we know. And what I did was I used Sleight of Hand and Close-Up Magic in a – it's a 2,500-seat theater. So you're a 5,000-passenger cruise line. It's brand new. It's called the Horizon. They're a brand-new ship. It's state-of-the-art everything. So I took that and moved away from box tricks, moved away from all of that, and figured out a way. And everybody at the Magic Castle, they're like, "You can't do that. You can't do that here. You can't do close-up magic in the main theater, Bobby." And I went, "Yes, I can." <laughs> I figured like, you it can't. out. Can't, and I figured mm-hmm. it out, and I did. And people are digging it, and it's touching people, affecting people in a positive way.
0: Well, I also noticed I was watching some of your videos. Now, we're talking about the grand shows that you're doing on these cruise ships yeah. or, or, or out and about. Yeah. Um, but cruise ships have this little thing they do. They do it with the artists, the musicians too. Um, there's kind of a meet-and-greet period of time mm-hmm. where people are coming on the ship. Yeah. And you're walking around doing some little sleight-of-hand things. Yeah. And, it, and granted, it's, it's pre-prep. You get them yeah. – they get excited. Well, they want to come to your show. I'll right? tell you the secret behind that for me. But, keep, mm-hmm. yeah. but uh, that's kind of how you, you – it's laying the hook here's so here's mm-hmm. yes uh, I don't live on the boat right
1: and those magicians that do that do that and I said mm-hmm. to them hey do you mind if I have a camera guy follow me and I will come up with a new idea mm-hmm. and I won't put it on stage right away where will I put it on the promenade deck right and all of a sudden you have you know hundred people around you a camera and you probably saw the the smell illusion. So using the sense of sight is a magic. We were talking about Mm -hmm. the blind gentleman blessings offer that, well, this is about the sense of smell. So um, research this thing, 800-year-old trick in India, and it is so cool that it uses the sense of smell. Um, So I tested it out. And one of my best friends here in Erie, Jimmy Wozniak, he's known me forever, and I did it to him one night, and he almost fell off the bar. So he's like, what did you, what did you just do to me? And then I knew right. I had something. Right. And so now I'm trying to figure out how to do that to everybody in the audience, where they're all smelling the thing they're thinking of.
0: Right. And it's a cool trick. What you did is uh, you had a young lady standing there, and you said, put out your hand. What hand are you? You're right-handed, right? Mm-hmm. So she puts out her right hand, and you said, put your left hand behind your back. And then uh, you said, smell your hand. What's it smell like? Nothing. Right. Okay. And then you said, now take your left hand. And you you went through a number of smells. Yeah. Jasmine, vanilla, whatever it was. You said, reach up into the air, pull it down, put it in your hand. So she did that. She put it in her right hand. There's nothing, of course. Nothing there. Just imagination, right? And now you're like, smash it up. So she's rubbing her hands together. Yeah. And you're like, okay, is it all good and smashed up? And then you're like, smell your hand. And then she loses her mind.
1: Yes. Yeah. And it's based on, you know what it's based on? is an old ash trick. Mm-hmm. Without giving anything away, Brian, as right. you're smiling like the devil right yeah. now. You're like, oh. But, boy, what we were talking about before, going back to the oldest trick in – that is – there was something called the ash trick, and I don't right. want to talk about it. Anymore. But you know what I'm talking right. about? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and very similar to that, and I went, my god. Mm-hmm. This is so cool, and it's it's you know just mm-hmm. exactly what we're talking about, yeah. And it but worked. It did, and when it works um, – in, in the, a really cool situation where um, you're across a room and they don't – you never touch them mm-hmm. and then it happens, you watch people lose their, their mind. Right. And it's so cool. It really is.
0: Well, just a, another point is uh, when you came into the studio today, uh, you brought a deck of cards and, yeah. and right away uh, Kathleen was sitting at the front desk and you did an illusion with Kathleen and she's – Kind of giving you the side eye, like, yeah, All right, what's he, what he you doing? Yeah, him. what are you right. doing? And, and that, you want that. You want them to have a fixed way of thinking. Right. And they, did, she did. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when the illusion was over, she screamed out loud. Oh, yeah. So you hit her right on. Yeah. The, you pushed the, exactly the right yeah, button. Yeah, and she was happy and smiling and freaking Still out. Still talking about it. Is she? Yeah. Yeah. She, whenever up. somebody comes by, she's... <laughs> um, and that was an hour ago. Yeah. Uh, the reality is... Um, it's much like music in that if you can move somebody really well, they will talk about that for years. It's the same thing, Brian. My first yeah. big experience with an orchestra was the Cleveland Symphony Orchestra. Yeah. And we went to see La Mer, uh, Claude Debussy's La Mer. And, uh, my you say, te- say that again. La Mer. And I just like and, the way you say it. <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, my trumpet teacher would play with this Cleveland Symphony Orchestra. Yeah. So he would get us horrible tickets for $5, but we but, could go. But you got right? to go. So the very first time I ever went. How old we were you? Were 18, okay. maybe. And I've seen the Eerie Phil before, but this is the Cleveland Orchestra. Right. So we're sitting up in the balcony, way up in the top, terrible nosebleed seats. Nobody's on stage yet. We're there early because he has to get ready to play. Yeah, And an oboe player comes out and sits down and just starts to play. So it's eight people in this giant theater in Cleveland and... One oboe player, and it was like an, a magical six or seven minutes where it was just this oboe player Obole making player some beautiful sounds, yeah. right? And I still remember to this day it was that that, yeah. that touching. And then the orchestra played, and it's it's a moving piece of music anyway. It's a story of the sea. It's beautiful. And um, my first experience with that was emotionally crushing. It was such a overwhelming. Moment that you you. didn't expect it going in. I said, oh, this will be nice. Didn't know know it was coming. And and I said, oh, it would be nice when I leave. And it hit so hard that that was uh, 1985 or 86. And it's still one of my strongest musical moments. It inspired you, didn't it? Absolutely. Because what do you play? Trumpet. You You play play trumpet. Right.
1: So that is interesting how that person, that experience, that thing was so powerful and it moved you that you didn't see it coming. Right. And... I'm sure you're going to do that for somebody else. And as
0: a musician, that's what we hope for. Yeah. We hope to have that one moment where somebody just walks away and goes, wow. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. That's it. Because, Brian, we're all connected
1: not by cell phones and and email. We are connected um, on on a much higher plane. I'm I'm a true believer in that, uh, spiritually connected somehow. I think music is probably one of the strongest things that – music is the one thing that inspires me more than anything. And when I hear the right song, I can see, I can absolutely see the whole illusion happening. That's what I use as, as my number one, you know, motivation. I do. Right,
0: Siegfried and Roy. Were they? They're, they're, yeah. <laughs> their whole show was about just stuff going phenomenal on. Phenomenal with the Tigers. But, but it was phenomenal. music, Tigers, action, exactly. moving. They talked very little, uh, it, but yeah. it was all about the experience, you yeah. know? So you were paying for an experience yeah. when you
1: went to see Siegfried yeah. and Roy. Music is the, I think, for me, it's the most important thing in my show. Other than the track
0: And okay. Cirque du Soleil. Cirque, Same thing.
1: Look at Cirque du Soleil in the music and the original music.
0: Right. So how long does it take you to master an illusion? From um, from the time that you like sketch it out, you try yeah. it in a few uh, – from rough rough draft and you, you do it and it's like, okay, mm. this is going to work. Yeah. Now you got to make it so it's seamless. Yeah.
1: Two things. One, 90% of the time I will just – and I learned this from a very good friend of mine. I literally will just – I'll just throw it in the show mm. and I'll talk I mean I'll be backstage and I'll go uh, throw this song on do this piece and I I, where I'm if I'm comfortable I'll just throw something in and if I fall I fall right. and that's how you learn uh, some little more cautious um, will go on promenade or try it out when I'm anywhere in the world mm-hmm. I'll just test that then there's some that I've not done yet and you know that my dad will always bust bust them for me you know he's like now uh you, you had this thing built. It's been sitting there for a year. How are you doing? Right. That, he, that was a really bad impression on my dad.
0: <laughs> he's going to hear this podcast. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. But thanks, my dad
1: Bob. will say that to me. He'll go, now what are you going to do with this? And you going to do anything new? And he always, he, he's always, but there's some that, you know, I'm not ready yet, but I'll know when, and when that time is right, I go, that makes complete sense, and here, mm-hmm. here's where it fits. I have this new thing, not new. Uh, I did it in Hong Kong, um, no, Tokyo, when I was like, 20 years old, on a Mm -hmm. TV show. And the trick was this, Brian. I needed something brand new that nobody else did. So I came up with this trick where I had a box that had uh, the letter D and F. And I said, what does DF stand for? Mm -hmm. And they go, I don't know, Mr. Bobby. And Mm i opened open it up and dump it out, and there were dead flies, Mm -hmm. and it was on a white plate. So they would pick a fly, any fly, kind of like you're going into a card trick, pick a card. Mm -hmm. It was pick a fly, any fly, and they would point to one. And I would take the fly and make sure it's a dead fly. Right. We believe in life after death. We're going to prove it right now, and I'd swallow the fly. Mm -hmm. And in Japan, they love weird stuff, trust me. They (laughs) watch some of their TV shows, man. So I would then take a clear balloon and blow the clear balloon up. And all of a sudden, I'd spit inside, and the fly would come out of my mouth in the balloon alive. And I'd tie the balloon. Sign the balloon and give it to the girl as a souvenir with the live lion. Right. And so lately, Brian, <laughs> there has been this little god wink, if you will. A fly will just land on me and I go, God, I, I got to do the fly trick. And also I, I revamped it and I'm trying – it's going to be called um, Diptera. So I'm having a video montage done called Diptera. What is Diptera? It's the word for – I'm sure you know. You're like a walking thesaurus.
0: (laughs) I'm a massive volume of useless knowledge.
1: But but that's pretty amazing because I said the word Diptera – 98% 98% of people would go, what's Diptera? And you? Well, you, you and
0: I like a lot of the same. Yeah, we do. Strange Yeah, things, we do. So. I, I, I'm very, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So Diptera is going to be my newest thing and then trying to find the right presentation, the right music. The yeah. problem, Brian, is when I did do this, uh, I did it on a college tour when I was 20 after, after Japan, is what you don't know is the preparation it takes to do a trick. Right. So the trick I just explained to you What do I have to do before every show, Brian? Kill a whole bunch of flies. I have to go catch them. Catch. I have to catch live flies. Then I have to get the live flies somewhere on my body where it will stay alive. (laughs) And then I got to get it inside of a balloon that looks, you know. And after a while, it's like, how hard do I want to work? Do I want to catch live, flies? i got a method now. So now you can just set this little thing out. There's the fly. It's pretty funny.
0: That's, you know, uh, when you're uh, 17 and learning your trade, the glamour uh, kind of blinds you to the fact that you're going to have to go out and catch flies. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, because people see that one side to it. But uh, that's like practicing. If you're a musician, you got to do a lot of dirty work to get to the point where you can play. Yeah, and I
1: still... Constantly love practicing, rehearsing, testing out. Like even when I walked in to touch that girl out there right. in a way where she, her her whole being just lit up. She was like, right. "Oh my god!" That was you know right. that's, that's kind of a neat. And when you have the right, like I said, intention is is a lot to do with that.
0: Do you yeah. feel pressure uh, everywhere you go to do magic tricks, or no. do you feel like no, y- you can be anonymous enough that you can yeah. just go out, lately, and hang out with your buddies, yeah, and have lately, some fun? Lately,
1: uh, I I've kind of quieted down a little bit with, Mm -hmm. I just want to kind of enjoy life, Um, but ask my girlfriend that and she'll tell you a different story.
0: (laughs) We have so much more from our friend Master Illusionist Bobby Borgia that we're going to need to include that in an entirely different episode of Better Than Monkeys. So make sure you tune in next month for part two of my interview with master illusionist Bobby Borgia. I'm Brian Hanna. Thank you for spending some time with me today on Better Than Monkeys, a product of WQLN Radio.